great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... What is up, Bills Mafia? It is Tuesday, May 31st, as promised. The official post-OTA's practice edition of Shout a Buffalo Football Podcast brought to you today by Value Home Centers. Listen, if you are, we just had Memorial Day, Ryan, and I'm sure you spent time with family, you were out, out and about, or maybe at home, maybe at a party. Uh, maybe you want to grill something up, right? Well, guess what? Right now, you can get over to Value Home Centers. They got the Weber E210 grill, uh, usually $4.99. It's $100 off right now. That is a huge saving savings on a grill that doesn't normally go on sale. Weber is the king of grills. And right now, Value Home Centers has you covered. Get over there today. We have you covered here on the podcast. Ryan Talbot, first of all, before we get going, how are you feeling? You know, I'm doing pretty well. I I don't have a pancreas any or a gallbladder anymore. Sorry, I do have pancreas. <laughs> oh, someone was talking about their pancreas today, and it got me thrown off. I don't have a gallbladder anymore, but I'm I'm doing pretty well, all things considered. Surgery on Thursday went well. I'm feeling better each passing day. Uh, but you know, I don't think a lot of people are here in the chat for my my gallbladder. I think they're here to talk some Bills football, Matt. And you were then there again today. Uh, I know you said it was kind of half speed, but tell us a little bit about what you saw. Yeah. And listen, at this time of year, like one of the most important things that is happening at these spring practices, especially for new players, are install, right? Like, so they're going half speed in some of this 11 on 11 stuff just to go through responsibility, getting things on tape, going back. Like you could show uh, a player a play from last season. Let's take, for example, Roger Saffel, right? Veteran, of course. But you could show him a play last season from John Feliciano or Ryan Bates, but it's a little bit different when you're discussing it in the meeting rooms after you just did it out on the practice field and you went through the drill. And so that's that was one of the big things for me. A couple of veterans showing up today, Daquan Jones, Roger Saffold on both sides of the line. They were both there today, which I thought was interesting. I thought that we might get to the end of OTAs and some of these veterans that have, have been out so far, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, uh, the two who continue to be out probably out the whole time, but they get back week two, uh, get things dialed up. And we got a chance to talk to Mitch Morris after practice today. Um, he talked a lot about Ken Dorsey and, and, and that whole role. We're going to get a lot into Ken Dorsey over the course of the show. But he said one of the cool things about the new look of the offensive line is, A, he's really excited about Aaron Cromer, brings a whole new dimension to that offensive line, room, a lot of uh, energy, a lot of juice. But he said, I'm used to this being a business. I'm going to miss – Guys that are gone, John Feliciano, Daryl Williams. But when you can look to your left and see a guy like Roger Sappel, 12 years, 157 starts, and know the kind of knowledge that he has, even for a veteran like Mitch Morris, I think that that's valuable. When you're out there on the battlefield there a little bit and you're going to war against another team, it's cool to know that you got somebody over there that has been through all the wars in this league. And I think Roger Sappel showing up is another it probably brought a smile to Sean McDermott's face. We didn't get a chance to talk to him today. And I didn't include it in my um, notebook today just because we didn't get a chance to talk to him or anybody on him. 
Uh, so I don't want to go too deep into it. But Luke Keekley again, back out at, at Bill's practice. He's making this a little bit of a habit. Uh, wouldn't it be surprising to me at some point if we see Luke Keekley eventually join the coaching staff of Bill's uh, or, or become a coach somewhere in the NFL. But I think that's probably where I'd start with the who was there and who wasn't. And I, I'm sure you've read my story right now. By now, Ryan, um, pe- people weren't there today. Yeah, you know, let's real quick. I just want to talk about Roger Saffold, and uh, you know, you mentioned how cool that must be for for Mitch Morse from a uh, player perspective, having a veteran with with that much uh, experience. It's it's got to be really good from a communication standpoint too, because if things don't go well at some point in a game this season, you know, Morse, who is a wealth of knowledge on his own, can can turn to. Uh, a guy like Roger Saffold and say, well, what are you seeing? What are they doing that that's uh, preventing us from doing this, that, or the other? So I think that's uh, another talking point there when it comes to guys like uh, Daquan Jones and on the defensive side, and then Roger Saffold on the office side, you're bringing in players with a lot of experience on both sides of the ball this off season, Von Miller list goes on, on Jameson Crowder, Guys that some of these younger players can lean on, but also some of the veterans can also talk to and can kind of compare notes, so to speak. I thought that as OTAs go along, you, you'll start to see different names out there, right? Like people in and out. But the, the Bills had a, a number of people that weren't uh, there today. The list was a little bit longer than it was a week ago. So Stefan Diggs wasn't there. Obviously, Josh Allen uh, preparing for the match. He wasn't in attendance, which cleared the, the way for, you know, Case Keenum to, and Matt Barkley, uh, you know, to, to run practice today. And that's got to be a cool, one of the things that Dorsey talked about today was, you know, Joe Brady really kind of uh, getting his vibe in that quarterback's room. And, you know, when Dorsey came in in 2019, and he didn't say this, but this is my observation, he was coming into a very, like, moldable room, right? Josh Allen was going into his second year. There wasn't a ton of success in year one. So it was kind of a situation where he can kind of get in on board a little bit and then kind of create that thing in his own image. Joe Brady's sitting there probably like, man, I'm coming into a superstar driven quarterbacks room led by Josh Allen. And, you know, then Case Keenum, I think you can make an argument that he's kind of like a superstar quality backup, right? Like probably the elite backup in the NFL, or at least in that handful of guys. So to have, uh, you know, a day or a couple days where, you know, Josh Allen is, is out in Vegas doing his uh, golf thing to kind of coordinate things with, with the rest of the guys in that room, I think could be important for Joe Brady because that's going to be the, the, the core group around Josh Allen that really becomes his support system. Brady, of course, but Keenum and Barkley just as much. Oh, absolutely. And that's a great point on Joe Brady. I mean, you're, you're talking night and day difference between what Ken Dorsey saw when he first came on as quarterbacks coach. Now, obviously, offensive coordinator, and we'll talk more about him here in a minute uh, compared to what Brady is inheriting. And, and you know, for Brady, it's probably a, a blessing because his, his last stop, Carolina, not great quarterback play there. It kind of stunted his uh, growth in terms of what, you know, that he was on a rocket at one point in terms of where people thought he was going in offense coordinator, head coach, one of the hottest candidates to, to where he is now. And there's nothing wrong with being a quarterback's coach. But when you're with a guy like Josh Allen, you have a, a top tier backup like Case Keenum, like you said, probably a top eight, top five, top eight backup in this league easily. Um, that's going to make his life that much easier. And while he is coming into a system where, it, it, you know, everything's kind of, uh, moving along steadily here, he can add some wrinkles into it where I think 
mm-hmm. what he did at LSU, where he had a lot of stars around him and it, and it helped him out. Obviously, same thing here in Buffalo. He has a lot of star power. He can add a few wrinkles to make this offense even better himself. We knew Dawson Knox. Uh, he's been dealing with an injury. He, he missed practice last week. He was not out there today. It's hard to say. We don't get a chance to talk to Sean McDermott. So I don't know if he wasn't out there and inside the building doing some work. Um, he wasn't out there on offense. Spencer Brown also dealing with something in practice last week. He wasn't out there again this week. And then an additional uh, name to add to the offensive pile, Ryan, Cody Ford was not there today. Um, you wonder a guy that's really fighting for a job here. And I know that this is voluntary, but it would be surprising to me if he wasn't there because he just chose not to be. I wonder if something maybe you know, is dinged up a little bit there. And then on the offensive side, but again, we don't know. So the next time we get a chance to talk to a coach, we'll be able to kind of clarify that for you guys. Probably mandatory minicamp is the first time we'll get Sean McDermott next. Khalil Shakir, the young rookie wide receiver, was working off to the side today. He did not participate in practice. I did tweet it out. He had a wrap on his left leg and it went up, you know, around the quad and the hamstring area. And it went all the way down the back of the knee to a little bit of the, the, the calf and the, and the ankle situation. So probably something he dinged over the last couple of days. And that's one area where you really don't want to see a guy like Shakir not practicing for obvious reasons as a rookie, but also as an undersized guy. Like if you start seeing injuries prop up for this guy, that's going to be something that I think becomes a little bit of a nerve wracking thing for Bills fans. I, I, I think that's what really hampered Cole Beasley, his entire tenure here. It's almost like he dealt with some type of, injury every season and then Jamison Crowder he's had a really nice career but he's been banged up at times too I think those smaller receivers sometimes they they just it's hard to stay on the field so something that Shakir's dealing with here early on yeah something to monitor obviously hopefully you know minor if, if he is working off to the side uh something that he'll he'll be a full go when it really matters here come uh this summer but like you said you never want to see any of these young draft picks especially guys that could make a uh, some kind of impact as a rookie uh, already kind of falling behind. But as long as he's there, he's going to be learning the playbook. He's going to be putting things in motion. So that that's the positive spin on that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Let's move to the defensive side of the ball. couple um, obvious uh, missing pieces today. Ed Oliver in the middle. He was not there. I did see him retweet a really cool clip from um, Aaron Donald. Uh, this afternoon, he was on the podcast with LaShawn McCoy and um, who, uh, Brandon Marshall, and it was a really good clip. I, I strongly suggest figure out where to find it. Check it out. I'll retweet it uh, if that makes it easier for you guys to find. But he was just talking about his perception or his process of watching film and the, the length that he goes to, especially at later on in his career where teams are like game planning against him, what he has to do in the film room to prepare to make the impact that he's made. And it's like, it goes from starting with the, with the guard that he's going to face that week and watching all of the guard tape, then moving over to the center, watching all of the center tape. And then, then watching the, the unit as a whole, following back up with the defensive line coach and watching everything back together and saying, okay, this is where I think I can win. This is where I think we got to run some type of game. It's a really detailed stuff about his whole process. I thought it was interesting. And Oliver retweeted to that, that today, he wasn't in practice, but, uh, I'm sure that there's probably a reason why. Yeah, I saw that clip as well. And, and you're right. It, it's a meticulous process that he goes through guard center guard. He talks a little bit about the tackles as well and what he might see uh, in terms of getting chipped or getting hit off off the snap. 
Um, he, he puts a lot of detail into his preparation and it shows obviously on the field. Uh, one of the best, obviously, defensive linemen of the last decade plus. Uh, but obviously, if it, one of, if not the best defensive, interior defensive lineman that, I, you know, I've seen in my lifetime. So preparation goes a long way. I'm sure Ed, Ed Oliver's, you know, made some notes there. I mean, he probably does plenty of that on his own as well. Uh, so something to monitor there. See Matt's off camera for one second. Um, so, you know, we'll be talking more about the defensive line today, the offensive line. We got Ken Dorsey for the first time today. I think Matt's going to want to talk about uh, Dorsey here in a minute in terms of his first feelings in terms of what he got out of the interview with Ken Dorsey. And then, you know, there's a clip going around, Matt, of the punt God already over 100,000 views on it. Yeah, I saw some of the national folks chiming in like, whoa. And he, listen, he boomed one. I I think I wrote, I think he kicked it into the sun. It was so high in the air, which, you know, begs the question, like, is hang time going to be an issue for this guy? Maybe not. We'll see. Let's go there, though, Ryan. We'll we'll get to Dorsey. Well, let's let's get to the punt god because it was quite a click uh, that I I think it was Matt Bovey that, that put it out there and if you look closely, you can, you can see a lot of things on the video that, that, that he tweeted out there. Can't really get into too much of it, of course, but hint, hint, maybe go, maybe go check out the video a little bit. Um, this thing is absolutely just shot out of a cannon into the sky. Um, the, the, the leg strength was never going to be something that's an issue. I think going into this thing, that's what people raved about when it came to Matariza. Uh, the, the, the thing that everyone wants to talk about is, can he hold for Tyler Bass? The second straight week, Ryan, they did five kicks for Tyler Bass. He missed one of them, kind of like line drived it, shanked it to the left. The only person that held for him again this week was Matt Hawk. Yeah, that's going to be something to monitor. Uh, Hawk obviously was kept around last year for his holding ability. But uh, when you have a guy like Ariza who's booming 70 plus yard punts at practice, you want to at least give him that opportunity. Maybe it's happening behind closed doors when the media is not present. I'm sure that they're putting in some work there. Arise is doing some work on his own in terms of holding and things like that. But with Hawk, it just doesn't seem like there's a, a path for him to have a roster spot. Uh, even though he is such a good holder, so to speak, for, for Tyler Bass, it's just not worth it with a Super Bowl quality roster. Uh, every spot is precious. So as as long as Ariza shows any capability of doing that, you you got to ride with those young guys. You already know that Tyler Bass is very good at what he does. He'll adjust to maybe the differences uh, that might come up with Matt Ariza, but Ariza for his leg, his punting ability, the fact that they drafted him for a reason, there's no doubt in my mind that uh, come September, he will be the holder. He just needs to start getting some reps, you know, in front of the media and sooner rather than later, in my opinion. We can transition now a little bit to Ken Dorsey because there is, um, there's a lot to get into uh, with some of the questions that he answered today. And of course, this was the first time, Ryan, that we really had a chance to talk to Ken Dorsey. Uh, he wasn't made available after the Bills uh, promoted him uh, a few months ago, but we got to talk to him today. And you know, I my my first observation, if you will, of Ken Dorsey is how comfortable he feels in his skin as the new offensive coordinator. He was he was real, but he was also honest. And he was like, "Listen, 
I'm still kind of feeling this thing out. Uh, he had a great quote. Uh, he brought up the, the Talladega Knights, Bobby or Ricky Bobby quote, where I don't really know what to do with my hands. And he said he feels like that sometimes walking around now after being the quarterback's coach for not only three years here, but multiple years in Carolina. Now being a guy that has to kind of go around and, and run the entire steer, the entire ship of the offense. It's just, it's a new dynamic. It's going to take getting used to. Yeah. And that goes in all aspects and we'll talk about it here in a minute, but uh, he was asked today about being on the field versus being in the booth. These are things that he has to kind of work through going from drill to drill, uh, taking on those extra responsibilities. Now that he's offensive coordinator, there's no doubt he'll, he'll be successful in that role and be able to take on those new roles. But it, it is, it is a learning process. It's, it's just like anything else. When you get a promotion, when you get a new job, uh, there, there's some learning that goes along with it, learning on the fly, so to speak. And, you know, I'll let you get into it a little bit as well here, but in the booth versus on the field, it's an interesting conversation uh, because when you're on the field, it's nice to be right there with your quarterback after a, a drive or with your offense and talk things out, be there face to face with them. But I think what Brian Dable saw over time is, man, when you're up in the booth, you see a lot of things live in terms of what defenses are doing, how they're disguising things pre-snap or what they're doing right at the snap. And you can call that down and get that, uh, get some things changed on the fly. So whether or not that's the same thing that Dorsey ends up doing, time will tell. But there's certainly pros and cons to each approach. That's, you know, obviously something that they're going to work out over the next couple of months for Dorsey. And he said, he was quick to say that Sean McDermott's been great about, you know, the practice setting during the spring here, letting him kind of work through some things uh, in terms of calling plays when they go uh, up, up, up tempo, do some team drills. But really, he said the only way to really figure out how good of a play caller you are or, you know, um, how good you're going to be on Sundays and, you know, game days is doing it. And you need the live reps to do that. He said he's been doing a lot of things to prepare in the meantime. So that comes with, you know, running through, you know, his own game scripts, uh, dialing up like a, a collection of film snippets, running plays, running up scenarios, having other coaches come in, kind of set the scene a little bit. And then him having to kind of, dial up the play, call the play, get it in and kind of go through the motions that way. There's, there's a lot of different ways that, that, you know, coordinators practice, if you will, you know, uh, run through the the dress rehearsal. You have to do that. Even I'm sure, excuse me, Brian Dable would tell you the same thing, even as he, you know, got to a, a comfortable place uh, in calling plays, it's something you got to kind of, you know, rehearse over and over and over again. So you're ready for all these different situations. And one of the things that I brought up on a radio show earlier today is I'm curious how, a potential learning curve for Ken Dorsey as a play caller could potentially impact this offense at all. And I'm not necessarily saying it's going to be a bad thing or, 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 or painting a picture like there to expect one. But I think for a guy that's never done it before, there's only so many ways that you can you know prepare for it. And we saw so many times last year where Ryan, like little things in the game, like, you know, Ryan Dable not going away from the run soon enough or, leaning too heavily on the pass over the course of his career. I mean, we've seen quarters where they've just thrown the ball and, you know, not adjusting quick enough. Like those adjustments are going to have to be made. And this is a guy that's coming into this role that's, that's very raw in that role. 
And he is, you know, one thing, and it's not fair to Brian Dable, but one thing that I think Dorsey might even be able to lean on is his former experience as a quarterback, uh, but obviously both in college, but it, but also in the NFL, he had some starting experience. He started a few games in his career. He was a backup for quite a few years. Uh, you know, when, when you're on the field as a quarterback, you have to make adjustments on the fly. Now he's going to take on a similar role as offensive coordinator, and it's going to be up to him to, be able to make those adjustments and notice, well, hey, listen, they're playing really light up front against us. Uh, I think there's a lot of yards there for Devin Singletary or James Cook, someone we can talk about here in a few minutes. Or if they, you know, if they see heavy blitzing, we got to opt out to something, X, play X, Y, or Z. Little things like that, you're right. You, you get better at it by doing it, by being in those scenarios. But for now, all you can do is kind of mock it up. Maybe you go back and look at, uh, tape from last year in games and okay here's what you know brian called or what maybe he had a hand in calling as well what could we have done differently what should we have done differently based on what the defense was giving us or what they were doing it's little things like that that i'm really interested in in watching over the course of this season in the next few seasons obviously uh in, in ken dorsey's um i don't want to say improvement but his growth as an offensive coordinator mm-hmm. part of that growth is going to be opening up your ears to the experience that's in that locker room right now. I mean, you bring in uh, Aaron Cromer, you bring in uh, Joe Brady, two guys that have been offensive play callers in this league, offensive coordinators. That's a huge deal. And something that Ken Dorsey said that he was all in support of bringing in guys that had experience that had done the job before bringing what has worked for them in their systems and kind of blending it together with what the bills are going to do. And he basically said, listen, it's going to look a lot similar you know, a lot of the things that Brian Dable did and, and the core philosophies, you know, he shares them. Like, we're going to do what we, whatever we need to do to win. That was a quote that he said today. He was asked about, you know, did they, did they need to develop the, you know, the run game a little bit differently? Did they need to find a more consistent running game? And he's like, right now, it's, it's hard to project that because we're just trying to build up every part of what we're doing. If you focus too much on one thing right now, you're not going to, you know, get everybody up to speed on everything that they need to do. So, you know, I think that that collaboration is going to be one that's really interesting to see. And, and maybe that's what tweaks things a little bit. And I think to a degree, Dorsey can lean on, whether it be on the sidelines or in the booth, Brady and Cromer on game days, a lot like I'm sure Brian Dable leaned on Dorsey when he was the passing game coordinator last year. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one other thing about Ken Dorsey here in terms of what we were just discussing, it's it goes back to Brian Dable over and over again and what he learned from Brian Dable. There was a time when Dable went to Cole Beasley, actually, I should say Cole Beasley went to Brian Dable and said, hey, listen, I ran this route at SMU and I think it would work in this offense. And then sure enough, it got inserted and it worked and it was a a play that uh, netted positive yards might have resulted in a touchdown. Uh, but it was all because Brian Dable listened to his veterans. And this is exactly what Ken Dorsey's going to do. There's a lot of guys that have been in the previous regime system, obviously. Stefan Diggs, Gabriel Davis has been here a few years now, Dawson Knox. But then you just have veterans in general, like Jamison Crowder, who can come in and tell him, hey, listen, here's what I do really well. Here's some things that have worked for me over my career. Uh, and then try to get it worked into the playbook. You can do that with O.J. Howard. You can look at O.J. Howard in his first few years in Tampa Bay where he was catching a lot of touchdown passes. Um, he, he was a more of a focal point for that offense, and you can kind of learn of some of the things that he did really well. How can we utilize that here in Buffalo? Is it as a traditional tight end? Is it as a 
big slot, so to speak? Um, how can we utilize Singletary? How can we get James Cook? Although he, Cook being a rookie, not being in that veteran category that I was just talking about. What are some things that Cook did really well at Georgia? Uh, obviously, a, a powerhouse program that went against the best of the best that you know we can utilize here, so that way he can hit the ground running as a rookie in 2022. It seems that uh, Ken Dorsey has a little Mark Ruffalo in him, apparently. Uh, Gabriel Davis joked today that when they're asked about you know where where he's going to end up calling plays. Davis was like, he's going to be up in the booth. Don't you worry about it. And later on, I don't think anybody picked up on that, that he was so passionate about Dorsey being up in the booth. And Mitch Morse was asked about it. Here's Mitch Morse's quote. Is that why Gabe joked about him being up in the box? Because he's like a super killer competitor, which is what uh, Mitch Morse said. He said, uh, yeah, that's definitely it. Yeah, because the Holy Spirit comes out of him every once in a while. And it's kind of fun to see. Basically saying, like, you don't want to be around when Ken Dorsey absolutely explodes, which is so funny to see. He's such an even-keeled kind of guy. Seeing him on the sidelines all these years practicing, like, you, you see Ken Dorsey. You know, I would sit here and say, that guy would never hurt a fly. It reminds you of the human version of the Incredible Hulk, but apparently he's got a little bit of green guy in him. I'm not surprised. Again, go back to his college days, man. He's probably one of the best college quarterbacks of all time. You have to have that fiery uh, competitor inside of you, get everyone riled up on the sidelines. And now that's going to transition over to the, to him as a coach, as an offensive coordinator as well. And because he was a quarterback's coach, it was probably behind closed doors uh, these past few seasons. But now that he's the offensive coordinator, I think if he's on the field, you're going to see on the sidelines. If it's in the booth, you might get some clips of him up there showing some of that passion. And obviously uh, when you meet with the coordinators every week, post game and things like that, he might be a little more fired up in, in those meetings as well about certain things. So I'm interested to see him, you know, the, the Hulk version, so to speak of Ken Dorsey. You know, every week we want you to be checking Syracuse.com as often as possible. We'll have you covered with all the latest coverage of the Buffalo bills. You can find links to the shout podcast right there. We also want you to get in the habit of heading over to valuehomecenters.com. Customers can shop there anytime. Buy online, pick up today, or find a huge selection of products that they have. They'll ship it to your local store from their warehouse for free. And you can head over there and pick it up. Listen, they got tons of programs going on over at Value. Check this one out. Text VALUE, V-A-L-U, to 80692. You'll join their text program. You receive an immediate $10 off a $40 purchase coupon. Plus, you'll be the first to know about new promotions, deals, and new products. Value Home Centers, place to be. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast. Hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. All right, Ryan, where do you want to go next here? Take me there. Let's go James Cook. Uh, you know, obviously the rookie class is always a topic of conversation. You mentioned uh, some nice tidbits in your notebook today about one, Devin Singletary being very impressed with Cook. And, you know, how is he looking as a pass catcher? How is he looking here in the early stages of OTAs? That's the thing that st- stands out, right? Like you almost, we we sometimes ignore the natural part of the game, right? Like the easy parts of the game, just things that we take for granted that, that players can do because they do it on a consistent basis. I, I've, I've seen Devin Singletary catch a hundred passes, right? Um, I've seen him drop some, but like the way that James Cook catches the football, I mean, it, it pops for you, right? Like it's just something that he's so fluid 
like with his motion. It's it really you know sticks out even as a rookie. I thought today was a you know it was Rod's first error. It was the beginning of practice. Singletary was the first in, in a rep, and he and he dropped the ball. And listen, he's the he's the ultimate competitor. He went and did some push ups off the side, went to the back of the line, ran it again, caught it the next time. But you know when you see that, you kind of you know flip your eyes over a little bit and say. All right, I'm going to watch the next guy up. And the next guy up was, I think, was Zach Moss. He made the catch. And then it was James Cook. And it's just, he looks just a little bit different. And Devin Singletary talked about the fact that these guys have known each other for a while. He's worked out in Florida with Dalvin Cook. He's worked out this offseason with James Cook. And he had a couple vets that really mentored him as a rookie. We all remember LaShawn McCoy and uh, more so Frank Gore, what they meant to Singletary as a rookie. He's trying to be that for Cook. And I think that that, dynamic between the two could be something that allows James Cook to really get himself comfortable really quickly. And we know, you know, kind of what he can do from a skill perspective standpoint. I mean, Devin Singletary knows he said so. Yeah. And Singletary is a team first guy. Uh, that's why I knew it was not going to be an issue when Zach Moss was drafted. That's why I knew it wasn't going to be an issue when James Cook was drafted. He's all for what's best for this team. Now, obviously he's going to want his own carries just like he did at the end of the season when he was shining. Uh, but he's going to be able to answer any questions that James Cook has. He's going to be able to learn though from James Cook a little bit as well. Cook is just so smooth as a route runner, as a pass catcher. Uh, as just an, an an athlete, so to speak, that I, I think Singletary might pick up some little things there. But when it comes to knowledge of the playbook, what am I supposed to do here? Uh, you know, the X, Y's and Z's or the X and O's of, of the game. Cook is very lucky to have a guy like Singletary, someone that he already has a rapport with that he can go to with any questions that he has. And I think that the, the two of them are going to end up being a uh, really solid one-two punch for this offense. Yeah, I definitely think so. And, you know, I also think that there's going to be so many different ways the Bills can utilize some of those skill position players outside of the running back room. And listen, Khalil Shakir, he's done some stuff in college as a running back. We've seen what the Bills have done with Isaiah McKenzie. Who knows what kind of packages they'll have. You know, Jamison Crowder, how do they how do they deploy him, uh, depending on how it, how it goes? I'm really excited for Isaiah McKenzie this season uh, in terms of what he potentially can do. I think last year we kind of saw a little bit of sprinkling him all over the place again. I think that there could be a potential for him to have a more specific role. And I don't think it has to be necessary. And this isn't coming off of anything I've seen. This is just how I, how I'm projecting him this year. He just, he looks like he's so comfortable. He looks like, all right, he's got this system. He's been there longer than anybody else, just as long almost as Josh Allen. He came a few weeks into Josh Allen's rookie year and Allen shouted him out, uh, like I mentioned last week. And so I think that there's a lot of different ways. You know, OJ Howard, seeing him out there today, I was talking to Jay Skirsky from the Buffalo News today. I'm like, dude, this dude looks like an offensive lineman. I mean, he's not bulky like that, but just his size, the way that he towers at the line. It's like, man, this dude, he's got all of the intent. I'm wondering if his body size is the reason he's had so many issues with his legs and his, and his ankles and stuff like that. But man, is he just an absolute specimen and figuring out a way to kind of deploy him as well. There's so many options for Ken Dorsey. It'll be interesting to see how, how he uses all of them and, and splits all this up. And also, like we mentioned, the, the impact of Brady and, and um, Cromer on this offense. Yeah. Real quick. Uh, do you remember David Boston at all? Wide receiver. Like Cardinals. 
Cardinals, just like, yep, like, just like he, that's just what reminded me of your description of OJ Howard, like so muscular, but maybe that led to some, some issues and things like that. Uh, the, the hulking frame, but you know, t- hopefully here in Buffalo, he can get a fresh start. He can show what he can do because the talent is all there. All the intangibles are there. There's no reason that he can't shine. You know, Isaiah McKenzie, I, I was dead wrong on McKenzie. I, I would have bet Matt after the end of the season that he was as good as gone. Uh, the fact that Brian Dable went to the Giants, the fact that there was a little, I, I wouldn't call it a butting of heads, but Sean McDermott kind of calling him out uh, for the kick returning and things like that and, and not being able to trust him. I thought, man, this guy's as good as gone. And then sure enough, he resigns here for a few more seasons. And, and I'm interested to see what happens because of that. Because like you said, he knows the system. Last year when he was given an opportunity in that Patriots game, he was you know, this, the star of the, of the game, he was all over the field. He, uh, when you were trying to cover him man to man, you could not keep up with him across the middle. If this offensive line is improved, like I think it is, Josh Allen's going to have all the time in the world to target a guy like Isaiah McKenzie running across the field. And if it's man, he's eventually going to get open and you're going to have some big chunk plays there. So I, I am interested to see what his role is, how much playing time he gets, because there's definitely trust in him as a receiver, as a gadget guy in offense. He's done a lot of really positive things over the years there. And, and maybe the you know his time as a returner is uh, the, the main guy there. Maybe that's over and done with after last year. Who knows? Uh, but as a receiver, yeah, really interested to see what that next step looks like for him in 2022. A couple other notes before we get out of here. Marquez Stevenson, man, like, I wasn't going to bring this up, but, you know, I, I do think it's worth noting. Had a couple of drops in routes versus air today. I mean, the hands is just, they're a real problem. I tweeted out a video. You're going to want to probably go check it out of Ken Dorsey, who ended up just coming over to the wide receiver line during warmups, grabbing the ball. And he lined him up and was doing this drill where they put two dummies, uh, um, tackling dummies, uh, about five or six yards apart. And the receivers had to run like a little bit of a slant route. And once they came around the outside dummy, the ball was on them. And there was a couple guys that dropped the pass. I mean, Gabriel Davis was one of them. He dropped the ball, uh, a few more uh, drops in there. But Stevenson dropped at least two, maybe three in warmups today. And then they were going half speed. He had a couple catches during the team stuff. But it continues. The, the, the more this happens, the more that it's going to continue to be something we have to talk about. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, over the years, I've seen track guys um, and I've had Bills fans be like, well, why don't the Bills ever sign like these these athletes, these track athletes? Well, you need to be able to catch the football. It's, it's one thing to be able to run fast. You need to be a, consistent with your hands and catching the football. And Stevenson, listen, he's not a, a track. He did. He ran track, but he's played football, obviously, over the years. Uh, mm-hmm. So he's not a pure track guy. But if you can't trust someone to catch the ball. It doesn't matter if he can get deep open, deep downfield because he needs to be able to finish those plays and, and haul in those long touchdown passes and, and prove himself preseason. He did it last year when his number was called upon. Can he do it in, in OT or well, can he do it in training camp? Can he do it in the preseason? And if he makes this roster, can he be a player that can make those big plays from time to time on offense? Time will tell, but you're right. The more these drops happen, the more of an issue and a concern it really is for Stevenson and his and his options or you know the, the likelihood of him making this roster. Speaking of Gabriel Davis, before we get out of here, um, I asked him today about his role now 
in this receiving room. Like, there's no Emmanuel Sanders here anymore. You know, Stefan Diggs is obviously the, the unquestioned number one leader in that room. But young guys are going to start to look at him. And, you know, he's, that's something that he's, he's battling right now. Like, you know, the fact that he's still a young player in the league, that he's still trying to get better. He's still trying to work on things. But at the same time, he has a room full of guys that are probably looking at him, a guy that just came off four touchdowns in a big-time playoff game, you know, setting a record saying, man, how can I learn from this guy and try to pick his brain? It's a, it's a different role for him. And so that's going to be interesting to see how he handles that. And I want to bring up the quote here. Having the experience now a little bit going into my third year and being able to play the, you know, put up the stats that, he, that, that, that I've put up, I do see how that role is kind of being pushed on me now. So I'll do whatever I can to help those guys. But again, I'm still learning. I'm a young receiver. I'm glad I, I've got a guy like Jamison here now, Jamison Crowder, Stephon Diggs, even Isaiah McKenzie, guys that have been in the league for a while to be able to learn from his college and become a better receiver. So that kind of dynamic for Davis is one that I'm, I'm interested to watch because Diggs wasn't there today. So you know that you look over in that receiving room and sure, Jamison Crowder definitely offers that veteran presence, but it's just, I think a little bit different. I mean, I don't know. How do you view Jamison Crowder? For me, with all due respect, like he's kind of like a journeyman kind of guy to me. Like, you know, like he's been around the league. He's seen a lot of things. I'm sure he can impart a lot of things. But when you're talking about big time player in the room, that's not Jamison Crowder. And I think Emmanuel Sanders, to a degree, he was that. He's had seasons of a thousand yards, 10 touchdowns, Super Bowl championships. there's There's a level of superstar to that, right? I don't see Jamison Crowder in that in that mold. He's a good player. Uh, I just think it's a little bit different. And I think he does a little bit something different. If I'm Marquez Stevenson and I'm trying to make this team and I'm trying to be an outside guy, there's things you could probably take from Jamison Crowder, but I'm probably going to try to like put myself on Gabriel Davis's hip and, and try to emulate what he's doing. Yeah, you know, Crowder, he, he's had some bad luck with the quarterbacks he's played with. He is a slot guy more than anything else. Uh, but I, I think he could end up being a, an impact player for the Bills. And I don't know what that looks like stat line-wise when you have so many mouths to feed on this offense. Uh, but I, I think he's in a much better situation now than he's ever been in his career. Uh, but with Gabriel Davis, you're right. He's that next guy up at wide receiver that you look at him and, and you think of the four-touchdown game. You think of the all-time performance against the Chiefs last year in the playoffs. And, man, this guy can do it all. He can catch the ball. Uh, he, he's a threat in the red zone every time that the Bills are there. He just does everything so well. And he, he's just a football guy. From the time he was drafted, he was out running routes to the time to where he is now. He's just growing and getting better year after year after year. Uh, and just real quick side note, love the personality, too. There's a... Uh, video clip that was shared from Deion Dawkins uh, cornhole tournament where he was partnered up with someone, Gabriel Davis. And they asked Davis, you know, who are you? Oh, I'm Gabriel, Gabriel Davis. And the guy's like, Oh, the running back. And instead of correcting the guy, Gabriel Davis is like, yeah, the running back. And he shook his hand, it, the demeanor too. He's just a very laid back guy. He, he's someone that isn't going to be like, no, are you kidding me? I'm the guy that caught four touchdowns in that game last year. He's just kind of go with the flow. And I, I think players even, are attracted to something like that, where this guy is always going to be there to answer a question, just like Stefan Diggs will be. But when Diggs isn't present, like you said, or if he's not around, Gabriel Davis is that next guy to go to. Uh, speaking of the next guy to go to, uh, we're going to go to brother bill tomorrow. He is going to uh, actually Thursday. Sorry. We rescheduled 
tomorrow's the match. We were kind of toying with the idea of doing a uh, live show during the match and maybe doing some live reaction, but called an audible. Uh, Ryan is uh, Ryan was up in the in the coach's box and he called down to the field and he said, "No, we're we're going to call an audible here. We're not going Wednesday. We're going Thursday." So uh, don't miss the show Wednesday, 8 p.m. We'll have some reaction to the match. Talk a little bit about Josh Allen and what he did with uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes against Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And we'll finally get on our interview with uh, Brother Bill, uh, Bill's Mafia super fan, uh, whose fandom, uh, whose profile has risen to new heights this past season. He was in a Labatt Blue commercial. Uh, He's been in several hype videos on some of the national TV stations. Uh, and so another cool story that we want to kind of try to bring to you guys, talk a little bit of bills with him. It'll be a fun time. That'll be Thursday night, June 5th. Check this out. Value Home Centers will be opening its newest location in Bath, New York. They're planning a special grand opening celebration. The, the store is already open, but the grand opening is uh, on June 5th. Uh, it'll be uh, a special will be running for two weeks. Uh, crazy low prices. You haven't seen them in a while. You're going to want to get to the store in Bath. Check it out. I haven't looked, Ryan. How how far of a drive is Bath from you? You know, I don't know. I don't usually go to yeah. Bath, New York. I'm guessing at That's least. That's terrible. That's yeah, terrible. I don't know. I thought, whenever I ask you this question, when I ask you how far is it, like to one of the areas around us, you're always like from only and boom, I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> this this time, not so much, huh? Well, I might have to know that though, because there's a value there and I, I don't have one here. So I might have to make the drive to Bath, start getting my, uh, my materials at value up there once they have their grand opening for sure. So I'm looking it up here and it's a, it's about a two hour drive from Buffalo. I think it's probably let's let's throw an all in you know you know i i'll give you the drive right now ryan i think it's a little shorter hour straight shot Boom. right up uh right up 86 take you right to bath new york get the value home center get your deals on get yourself stocked up uh they're gonna be running specials for the next two weeks uh coming up here on june 5th that's when it begins don't miss out it's great to have value aboard <laughs> bath is only a tub away Tubs throw away from you. <laughs> all right. All right. That's it. I'll, I'll cut you off there. Uh, for Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Primo. We'll be back on Thursday. Special, uh, another edition of Shout. Hope you all have a great week. Take care. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.